Okay. Hello, humans! It's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show number 128, the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes, and with me, as always, is Josh. Hey, Rob. You ever get super curious about a singular group of people? For me, it's the people who lose one shoe on the highway. Dear people who lose one shoe on the highway, tell me what your life is like. I need to know. So it means they're half dead. Oh, no. Yeah, you ever hear <laughs> that thing? Like, somebody say they get hit by a car. If their shoes flew off, they're dead. But if their shoes oh, no. are still on, they're alive. Well. If you lose one shoe, you're half dead. <laughs> I saw two of them on the road just today, so I hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's a weird phenomenon. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so if you ever want to get in touch with us, feel free to send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com, and you can get us on Twitter at notarobotcomics, and Instagram too, at narcomicbooks, and if you feel like supporting us, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash narpodcasts, where we also have access to our very own Discord server, and you can join us and talk about all things geek with us and other fans. <clears throat> Always talking about something. Even just today, Kirk and I were talking about Doctor Doom hentai, because that's the oh. wild and crazy shit we get up to. And oh, I, re I regretted starting that conversation. <laughs> As you well should. Oh, God. Wes, for today's books, it's been a short week, but we are looking at Dark Knights of Steel, number nine, Sword of Azrael, number six, The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, number three, Poison Ivy, number eight, and Batman, number 131, as well as a small couple of honorable mentions. But before we get into that, let's get into some news. What's going on in your neck of the woods, Josh? Oh, you know, not a lot, although... <laughs> Not exactly news, but uh, totally stoked about this on a personal level. Sp speaking about bringing nerds. Um, one, I, uh, I just started rereading the uh, entire book, uh, Witcher series, the, the books, not the novels. Um, so far, I'm not regretting it whatsoever. And nice. then my internet started to flake out a couple of days ago, and my ISP stopped by my house and brought with them a, uh, a brand new Wi-Fi 6 mesh router system Ooh. that they gave us for free. Nice. So, yay. <laughs> yeah, Wi-Fi 6 is pretty awesome, I'm not going to lie. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, that's good. Other than that, it's been pretty, uh, pretty normal around here. Oh, fair enough. How about with you? 
yeah, not not much going on around here. I finally uh, found the time to start my goal project of reading every single Green Lantern comic from the Silver Age onwards. And only the Silver Age right now because the Golden Age is so much harder to find copies of. But I do have access to some of the old, old, old ones. <laughs> so when I finish Silver Age, I might go back and reread Alan Scott to the best of my ability. Uh, so far, Hal Jordan's Silver Age has been fantastic. <laughs> I, I have found... I, I don't know if, if any of you see online every so often there's some groups or subreddits with, with just funny panels from the Silver Age and the Golden Age that in today's world is just a little weird or funny not in a negative way just some sometimes the art like there was one panel in one of the issues of showcase where hal's face was just dumbfounded and bewildered about something so like menial and it was over the top and hilarious to me i, I just see so many memeable moments in these issues <laughs> i just want to start getting on photoshop and messing with stuff but no Can't i need photoshop first yeah I'm in for this ride, man. It's going to be fun. Is there any any character you'd want to do that for? Like, go back and read everything they've had? Good question. I was just thinking about doing that the other day. Nice. Oh, that'd be good. Yep. And I'm about halfway through um, my giant He-Man compendium, which is a collection of all of the lost... Uh, he-Man comic strips and um, fucking awesome. <laughs> nice. Now, speaking of uh, other classic comics, this was not so much classic, but it was my first foray into classic characters with the Ninja Turtles. I finally read The Last Ronin. What a thrill ride that story is. That was a fun book. Oh, it's a hell of a good book. Yeah. It's got some, got some pretty damn good emotional parts in it, too. Oh yeah, I'll tell you the, what. <laughs> uh, the the intros for Robert Rodriguez too. It's really good. Uh, all right. So I, uh, apart from that, like that's just personal news. But in comic news, uh, there's been a little bit. We do have our first look at uh, Joshua Williamson's Green Arrow where we got a sneak peek at the cover of issue number one, the double spread cover from uh, Sean Isaacsi. I really hope I pronounced that right. I've been going over it all week. <laughs> and there's a whole plethora of Green Arrow characters on this cover. Uh, from good guys to bad guys and, and frenemies alike. Uh, from like Diggle to Arrowettes and Mia Dearden and... Uh, you know, Count Vertigo's there, Onomatopoeia's there, Brick is there, there's all sorts of people, and I must point out Hal Jordan's mask in the background, uh, so it's, it's a hint of what's to come, uh, so I'm excited for that, there's, there's going to be so much to look at. Yeah, I'm excited for it too, um, my fingers are definitely crossed that, uh, I'm not going to regret saying that. <laughs> I hope we get a lot more than what we've been getting lately. And uh, given the creative team behind it, I feel like that's there's a very good shot. Yeah. I do I do hope for the best for this book. Uh, 
by the fact that it's Joshua Williamson, I'm not holding my breath. But I oh, will wait, still give I the thought... chance. Ah, shit. This is Green <laughs> Arrow, and I don't know why I was sitting there thinking Green Lantern for a minute. Oh, no. Yeah. Green Arrow, yeah. Um, <sighs> I really, really dig Green Arrow ever since. I've, re- I've, I've dug Green Arrow since he stopped being a Batman copy. Yeah. And... Um, Man, I I just I don't I don't understand why Williamson still has a job. I'm just gonna say that. Uh, I mean, the whole Dark Crisis thing, everything he's touched before and after that, it's 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 just better left by the wayside, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It looks like there's a massive, massive Green Arrow story lined up. And to me, that means that we're going to get a lot of convolution, a lot of threads left alone, and absolutely zero ending. Which sounds a lot like Flash and Dark Crisis and everything else he's touched at DC. Uh, The first arc or two in Robin was pretty good. (laughs) I'll give him that. The thing thing I'm, I'm holding out hope for is the fact that uh, you, you have a good point that there's a lot of, of uh, story to come with this, a lot of build-up, but he's the one that did all the build-up, so it's his own creation, and I do hope that means that the quality will increase. And I've never disliked the middle parts of his story. The beginnings and, and middles, of, for me, for Joshua Williams, were always great. It's the endings that I have trouble with. Uh, so I know it's going to be a fun ride. But the the end, I just hope it ends well, because as endings to me, at least for every arc in the Flash, the endings kind of just ended, and things didn't really go anywhere. It's it, nope. it was always and, really and weird. He everybody keeps bringing up that the first and second arc of Robin was really great. There was not a first and second arc of Robin. I don't give a shit if the title changed a little bit or if there was a set amount of books it was one long sprawling story fuck off with that whole separate arc shit no offense (laughs) but if it's one long sprawling story you can't break it down into four issues a piece and say well at least that was good or at least this was good from start to finish no it's not good if you start a story great and then it starts to fall apart and then it's completely falling apart that is that's just not acceptable especially for somebody who keeps getting put on big books by first and second arcs at least for me i mean up to the end of the tournament because everything after that was a separate story but was it because it all spun out of the tournament shadow war yeah i mean that was it's not necessarily because of the turn like Respawn, yeah, but that wasn't necessarily because of the tournament. That that was also part of, of Batman and uh, Deathstroke Inc. But with, which was also written by him at the time, right? So but the like tournament said, arc in Robin, the tournament one, arc was fantastic. One sprawling story that led to Robin being the exact same as he was prior, and fucking Geoforce being the dupe, duplicate Destro. Not impressed, guys. 
yeah. not impressed. That, that wasn't fantastic. <laughs> no, I that, didn't have a huge problem with the, I didn't have a huge problem with the tournament, but it did have its problems. One, it didn't focus on anything other than Robin trying to learn how, how to have a good time from a bunch of fucking people that don't like him. <laughs> that's what the tournament was about. That's a, that's a way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, and this is going to sound very con- uh, contradictory, but um, TTA, the only good issue that they had was the one where they went on spring break. Oh, I, I can agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one. If they kept that going and just had fun with it instead of trying to to have this overarching story, just would have been great. Everything all down. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed some of the mysteries, and we didn't even get them all solved. So, who friggin' knows? Man, that's a shame. What happened to that book? Yep. Um, like that was a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't intended to be, but I'll take it. Uh, okay, so other news. We do have a reprinting of a big book from last year. Um, I say big because it was a big deal, but it wasn't that great. Uh, Batman Spawn is getting a reprinting, but in black and white only. There will, there will be no colors. There will just be... Uh, Greg Capullo's pencils and Todd McFarlane's inks, and that's it. So you'll get a good chance to see the the beauty of Greg Capullo's art. And I know a, uh, some of the gripe for the initial issues was, at least I think Brandon mentioned this, was the color really brought Capullo's pencils down, because I felt the art was lacking, which was surprising oh, yeah. for Capullo, because I, I always think he's great, especially drawing Batman. Well, he knows his way around drawing thing. Batman. It's because... Capullo is doing the pencils and then McFarlane is going over the top with his inks and being super heavy handed and inconsistent with his line width and yeah. for me that's what that's what kind of brought that down Fair enough. McFarlane's inks I don't think it was the colors I don't think it was the colors at all I think it may have been McFarlane going well it must have been the colors <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at at least the the, the uh, black and white cover, and it looks really good. But we'll see. I'll, I'll take another look at the the inks only version in the first issue that comes out February 14th on Valentine's Day of all days. Because what better way to uh, spend it with your sweetie than by getting her a copy of Batman Spawn number one, or him, or them, right? Or both if you're Polly. Yeah, by all means. Get whoever a copy of Batman Spawn number one to show your love and appreciation. Don't don't actually do that. Don't. It's it's a it's a bad idea. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless they're a <laughs> Batman Spawn fan. Then... Yeah, like if if that's the case, by all, all the power to you. But typically, don't. Just just don't. Get like I don't know. Harley Quinn. Green Arrow number one. Something fun. I don't know. <laughs> Not Batman Spawn. <laughs> uh, and finally, in movie news, James Gunn is said uh, officially that we will find out some, and I, I, I quote that, some, not all, some of the DCU slate 
this month. It is will be known in January. According to James Gunn, we will find out some of the DCU slate going forward. It is unsure, uh, unknown how much of that we will know, or, or anything else. We don't know anything else right now, apart from we will find out some information this month. Uh, and yeah. hopefully we by, can finally put some of, some of these heavy-handed rumors to rest. Well, hopefully confirm some others. Yeah. Well, speaking of confirmations, actually, one thing I, I forgot about, but I keep getting notifications about it, Stephen Amell is returning for the final season of The Flash for one last go-around as Ollie, which I think is pretty cool. For the, for the final season? Or yeah. he's going to be back like for, for like an episode? Oh, probably like a cameo or something. Like They're not, they're not going to tell us for how long or for what, but I imagine something very small. Because, you know, the dude's dead. Uh, he might still be the Spectre. I don't really know. But <laughs> uh, if anything, a, a cameo or something. No, I do know that the only thing he's done since leaving Arrow is get in trouble with the law. So <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know, he's done a terrific show called Heels. I really oh, love that right. show. I, yeah. I did not watch that. Oh, you got to. But if, you, if you're a wrestling fan, you got to watch it because they, they put their heart and soul into that show. And it even it's the whole thing kind of tells if you if you're looking at it, it tells the story of like WWE versus ECW back in the nineties and the back, Monday Night uh, Wars. It's very you, interesting. You, yeah, Monday Night Wars, and then that Raw is War. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of WWE, a piece of information that I did just happen to uh, stumble upon here a couple of hours ago, I guess this morning it was announced that. Uh, that Vince McMahon will will no longer approve any financial dealings or media holdings at all unless he is reinstated as chairman of the board. And uh, as of this morning, 9.30 this morning, um, Eastern Standard Time, Vince McMahon is back in WWE. There are a lot of fans that are not happy about it. And, I mean, let's be honest, not to take this over and make it a wrestling podcast, but, I mean, okay, McMahon, during the Attitude Era, you, 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 you knew your shit. You, you brought people back to wrestling. You went way above and beyond what was necessary, but, you, you know, you did your job. But now you're 168 years old. Your, your, your ideals are bad. You still have this SEC investigation going against you, all kinds of sexual abuse allegations. I think it would be better if WWE was McMahon-less. Um, that said, there's a lot of people that are worried that he's coming back so that he can facilitate the sale of WWE. Yeah. Which is it's just crazy. Like... Why it sure seems like it? Why would he do that? Because Triple H has actually been doing a pretty good job running the show behind the scenes, Agreed. and I think the company's doing okay. Why? Why? It's just ego. It's got to be. It's only ego. There's Money. no other way about this. It's ridiculous. If, if it, yeah, I mean, ego. Sure, if he's coming back to not sell it, a hundred percent, it's ego. But I'm tending to err on the side of these fans that are. Assuming that 
that that he's coming back for a sale. Like, uh, you, you know, WWE, uh, pay-per-view, SummerSlam. Uh, uh, excuse me, it wasn't just the pay-per-view. I'm misquoting that. In 2022, the WWE had more viewers than the than Major League Baseball, than the National Hockey League, the NFL, and the NBA. The WWE, not not combined, but no. beat each and every one of those for consistent viewership. Yeah. So, to me, that makes WWE a very hot commodity and very appealing on the sales block. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It's just crazy to think about. Yeah. What I can mean, you do, I, I, I recently got back into watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, very recently. And You're I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I like what they do. It's a completely different atmosphere than it was 10 years ago. And... Um, it was about 10 years, seven, seven, eight, ten, no, some, somewhere after seven. Anyway, it's been a while since I watched it. It's a completely different atmosphere. It's a completely different kind of show. And it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch again. And I would, I would hate to see it regress because somebody couldn't keep their hands out of the pie. Yeah. Or somebody's all out of pie and they just want to make more money. Yeah. I mean, he made the pie he's eating. It's his own fault. But what can you do? Oh, well. We'll see where the future goes. We'll see what what is in store. So much shit going on right now. Indeed. Uh, Yeah. All right. I guess uh, with that, we'll get into some books. What do you say? That sounds like a plan. Yeah. As far as to. ones that don't really matter, <laughs> I'll talk about uh, two of them. Um, Batman Night Watch, which is pretty much a, a little kid's book, and Gotham City Year One, which is a book. Uh, those are out if they are your thing. They are not mine, but uh, that's it for the mentions. That's, that's all we had, honorable yeah. or otherwise. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, with that, I guess we'll uh, start our spotlight section. We'll shine that light over to our sole spotlight book of the week. Uh, we're bringing back for a quick review. It's been a while since it's been on the shelves, and it has come back with a passion. And that's Dark Knights of Steel number nine, which is written by Tom Taylor with art from Yasmin Putri, colors from Eric Prianto, letters from Wes Abbott's, and an as usual gorgeous cover from Dan Mora. Yes. Uh, so Clark is tied up in the dungeons and he's being saved by none other than Cassandra Kane, who is working for Batman, not necessarily as Robin, but has spent some time in Amazonia and gives him the lasso of truth as he flies off to try and stop the coming war, which has already been started with the death of Queen Hippolyta and a few of her close royal guard in the Amazon army. Uh, Wonder Woman, or Diana, Princess Diana is, or I guess now Queen Diana, is understandably upset as she was murdered by none other than Lara L. Is it Lara L? Or Lara... 
Yeah, Laura L, yeah. right? Yeah. Laura L, yes, sir. Yeah. I've never really thought about the the whole last name thing on Krypton. That's, <laughs> that's really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, they go in, but uh, they go in for an attack, but she flies off uh, right into the arms of Kal-El himself, which she meets him with a punch to the face, and he falls right down into the ground, and he notices the Amazon army ready to attack, so he tries to reason with Diana, but she also punches him right in the face, and then as the army of, I don't remember, I guess the Kingdom of the Bat, I believe was the name of the kingdom, uh, sees Prince Kal-El uh, being punched by Prince, or Queen Diana, a princess, Queen Diana, they storm onto the battlefield, swords drawn, <laughs> arrows at the ready, ready to uh, get into battle, but <laughs> they are not prepared for the power set on the other side. Meanwhile, the green man up in the sky uh, is being talked to by the ring, who we now know is the Joker, and is being told to burn them all with green flame. Uh, so, the I'm not sure which pierce this is, one of the princesses of the the kingdom of thunder uh notices the green man and blasts him with lightning but he escapes uh the armies are ready for an attack as prince batman flies in on a dragon of all fucking things it's so badass <laughs> surprising everyone yeah, not what you were expecting no <laughs> uh prince uh bruce or prince wayne i don't even know what his official title is Prince Batman Bruce. meets up with <laughs> Prince Kal-El um, with a sword drawn uh, and trying to figure out what's going on because Kal-El tried to kill him, but Kal-El has no idea what's going on as information starts to come out and the truth is starting to be revealed. Constantine realizes all the things that he has foreseen are not actually happening and all the things that are happening are not what he has foreseen and he is very fucking confused. And in the right. L dungeons, uh, Lara is down there killing each and every prisoner they have, starting with King Shark, as Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance use the Canary Cry to break through the, the brick wall and get out of Dodge as fast as they possibly can, making a quick stop at the armory on the way. Uh, Ollie has lost an arm, so a bow and arrow was no good, but now he can use a crossbow, thanks to the brilliant thinking of Dinah. As they escape the castle, they find war has begun, and they don't know what the hell to do next, except try and fight their way to safety. Lara is in hot pursuit, eyes glowing at the ready, but is stopped by Kal-El. Or, no, not, stop, not stopped by Kal-El, stopped by Lara? There's two Laras on the battlefield. And as it is shown when Oliver shoots one with a flaming arrow... Luckily, the one he hits was revealed to be a white Martian. Yeah. Yeah. So it flies off and turns invisible, lost forever, as Prince Bruce Wayne, Batman, that's a really weird title, <laughs> uh, turns right. to Alfred, who is starting to reveal his true colors, as he did not know they were here, and Alfred himself transforms into a green Martian which potentially is not said yet, but most likely John Jones, because why the hell not? Which, that ends our issue. Next, the Green Man 
And at this point, I'm very confused as to who the hell the green man is. There's so many green men right now. <laughs> it's Green who Lantern it? Joker. But now there's another green man. <laughs> well, yeah, but he he's a green man, not the green man. Yeah. I, I still want to know who the hell is talking through the ring. But I, I wonder if we'll ever find out. There's three more issues to go. It's been a hell of a ride. Uh Yet another you, twist you reveal that I've come theory? to love from Taylor's Elseworlds. It's been fantastic. Oh, what's your theory? My theory is it's the Joker, right? There is no voice in the ring. Oh, it's all in his head. It's all in his head. Interesting. I do like that theory. That's that's a cool theory. And kind of up uh, be... Joker's alley in a way. <laughs> that's 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 where I got it from. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think of that until this issue, but 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 um, but uh, it definitely makes sense. It holds for the character, and I think it would make. I think it would be a cool little thing to throw into uh, the the very next issue, since it looks as though he will be the focus. Yeah. No, that uh, never. We'll see how that goes, or remains to be seen. I think that'd be cool. It's. It's a thrill ride, this series. <laughs> I, I gave this issue a 9 out of 10. I can't wait to see how this ends. And I hope, like uh, Tom Taylor's other series, his Elseworld series, there will be a follow-up. Yes, please. I mean, how is it that a book continues to kick ass with as crazy and as far out as this story is? Yeah. Um Usually they start to fall out when they get this bombastic, case in point. Teen Titans Academy, case in point. Um, everybody but Chip Zdarsky that's written Batman in the last five fucking years. Um, <laughs> shit gets bombastic and, and, and convoluted and it loses everything. Turns into a shit story. But this doesn't. Yeah. It just stays being a badass story. Yeah. There's... there's, there's there's no forecasting. There's no telling what is going to be happening. I mean, fuck. White Martians, Martian Manhunter, Death, Fire, Gods Among Men. Holy crap, this is good. Yeah. And, of course, the art that we see in this book makes me love it even more. I almost oh, yeah. wish that it was a total ongoing because, I mean, I would I would keep keep reading this as long as the stories were there and on this caliber. It's fucking great day all day. Yeah. Definitely. All I right. interrupted your review, didn't I? Oh, no, I was done. Oh, what would you give it? Nine out of ten. Me too. Nine out of ten. Right on. All right, so with that... That concludes our spotlight reviews. We're going to shut off the bat signal for uh, a brief period, and we're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. Hope that wasn't too bad. I know it wasn't. Come on. We are jumping into our full depth reviews with the rest of the books we have this week, starting off with Sword of Asriel number six, and I'm going to hand it on over to Josh to tell us what's going on over there. And I will gladly catch it. Written by Dan Waters, art from Nicolo says Messia, colors from Marisa Louise, lettering by Hassan Atsmani Al Hau, and 
This cover was drawn by Sismacia and Romulo Fiardo Jr. did the colors on. Um, pretty cool cover. A whole lot happens in a very short amount of time. It felt like I breezed through this book. So without further ado, or further anything else, let's get to it, shall we? Uh, we kick it off with Vengeance and the woman who basically created Sariel, and I can't remember what the fuck her name is. But anyway, she created Sariel by binding that armor to her after she activated the system within. And uh, those two are staring on at Sariel, the angel assassin, as we get a breakdown from Azriel speaking to Carl Valley about what Sariel is and what they are doing with her. Uh, what that is is trying to wake up all the dormant angel assassins across the world via the mother box that they call the Angel Maker, but really it's just a mother box. Uh, Azrael can uh, Azrael can hear it, and the two of them uh, hear the uh, the uh, signal being sent out by the Angel Box, and the two of them enter the compound to stop it before anyone else can. They know it's a trap, but they don't care. While good old brother Carl decides to take the fight to vengeance, Azrael goes off to find Sariel, and he does find her. After some shit-talking and Sariel boasting that she took Azrael's flaming sword, Azrael knows, uh, lets her know that uh, now that he's free from the system, he can do things that he never could before, like making a new badass sword. Uh, <laughs> to win, uh, to make sure that now no one else becomes an angel, Azrael steps atop the Angel Maker and lets Sariel slash at him with her, formerly his, flaming sword, and she does, slashes all the way through and destroys the mother box, resulting in a huge explosion that knocks her back. She's not dead, she'll be okay, but she's gonna be out for a while. <laughs> while this is going on, Vengeance stops fighting because she was now void of the miracle that she was promised. However, Carl points out that the real miracle is that an angel has changed their will, meaning Azrael. Vengeance understands this and appreciates it. Uh, it seems as though Vengeance is just looking for redemption. And she finds solace in the words that Azrael has spoken, that no matter what, there is always a light. Vengeance is in search of that light, and at the end, we get to see her and Carl helping Azrael make his way away from the compound, calling him no longer the Angel of Death, but the Angel of Mercy. M wow. Now that was an Damn. explosive ending. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think like I think it was very interesting that the way that this went down, and we were able to witness Azrael becoming something more. With Azrael and Jean-Paul Valley working together and Azrael being dubbed the Angel of Mercy, man, I cannot wait to see the next time Dude pops up. And Vengeance as well, considering that it seems as though she is seeking that redemption. And who knows what's going to happen with Carl Valley. Maybe we'll see them all together. The whole thing is such a huge story. I'm looking back and trying to figure out how they fit so much into six issues without it feeling like it was all crammed in or rushed through. The art and the colors, as always, stand out as absolutely perfect for the issue, 
and it sets up so many possibilities. I am really impressed, even though it's Dan Waters from who I should expect uh, great stories, but I loved it start to finish. Azrael was a character that I, at that point, couldn't give two shits about. And not only did he make me give a shit about it, but he made me eager to get more. And honestly, though it rarely happens with newer books, now that we're at the end of this series, I think I just may go back and give it a read-through from start to finish. Oh, it's, it's really that good, and uh, man, I fucking loved it. Uh, for, for me, this one also got a 9 out of 10. Fair enough. So wait, wait. Asriel is a character you don't give two shits about. I haven't but... given a shit about Asriel um, in a, in a very long time. But Batman Nightfall is your favorite Batman story. <laughs> I said a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, yeah, so for, for this series, though, very cool ending. I do hope we get to see more uh, from this team and these characters because it is kind of open-ended. Like, it's a new chapter for Azrael. He's undergone a bit of an evolution, uh, and there's definitely, I think, more story to be told, uh, not necessarily with uh, the mother boxes and whatnot. I think that chapter can come to a close, but Please. that team at the end with Vengeance, Asriel, and Father Valley, I think is a very interesting team, and they seem to have found some camaraderie at the end there. So let's hope we get to see that trio pop up again uh, one more time. I am still deeply in love with the anime style, and not just the art, but the storytelling as well. I don't know if I mentioned before. I know, excuse me, I've gone off about how, how the, the art style is very anime-inspired, but it also is lent from the story, the writing as well. Because you get that that sense in uh, the story beats as well. The way they've built things up, it, it's just fantastic. Uh, I'd watch a Netflix anime of this. I would. <laughs> I'd watch any anime of this. I, I hope that with this, DC does make a bit of a, a push into a different style of animation. Maybe an anime style and this could be the first one they do. I think that would be a good idea. I hope. I don't see it actually happening, because creative choices are not always the greatest over there right now. Uh, but I do hope. <laughs> um, oh, shit. Yeah, well, fuck, looking at you, Green Lantern, beware my power. What the fuck was that? Uh, <laughs> 8.75 out of 10 for this one. Uh, very damn good ending. I really liked it. Yeah, I'm, I I'm with, I I enjoy the art, I do, um, like a lot. Obviously, I gave it a nine out of ten, and that doesn't all come from the story. That said, I I, I see some like manga, uh, ins, uh, inspiration, but I look at that and manga isn't the first thing that comes to mind. But I I definitely I definitely am with you and Brandon where I I don't see like the anime style. But I definitely see the influence there, and it's 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 an art style that I don't think I really don't think any other kind of art style would have fit this story. We needed something a little irregular. We needed something a little, for lack Bombastic. of a better word, jagged. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, and it 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 
it just works, man. Yeah. All the way around. Sesmacia and Waters, I hope, continue to work together. Definitely. Because they, they're a hell of a team. They really are. Indeed. All right. So we are going from the man who replaced the bat all the way over to the men who want to kill the bat or love the bat or respect the bat. Or can't or live without the bat. Can't live without the bat. Or perhaps uh, just has a bat fetish. Maybe. That seems legit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Joker, the man who stopped laughing. Uh, and if it wasn't apparent, now you know why we couldn't figure out what it is about the bat that the Joker's obsessed with. But that is part of the fun. After all, isn't that the, the big joke in the sky? Is the Joker's raison d'etre with Batman. We'll find out one day, maybe. For now, though, this was written by Matthew Rosenberg with art from Carmine Di Gian... Oh, God. Carmine Di Gian Domenico. Apologies. With colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr. and Nick Filardi and letters from Tom Napolitano. We open up where the last issue left off outside Gotham General Hospital where the Joker uh, is surrounded by police after the uh, cops were called based on a bomb threats inside the hospital that he started so it's his own fault really he is under the guise of medical gear uh, jackets scrubs mask the whole nine yards so nobody could really tell it's him uh, and people still think he's dr d'amico uh, but he just walks through the hospital he goes right back in after he sees the cops uh, and tries to uh, maybe find another way out the cops have gone in after somebody saw the doctor go in and there is reports that the joker and the joker is inside so the cops are going in in full pursuit a full SWAT team has gone in uh going room by room getting people out and finding the joker as best they can and as he's running through the hospital the joker that is he comes across the pediatric ward and finds a room full of very sick children all of whom look like they potentially have cancer which uh, is going to make for some interesting pages. Uh, Red Hood, meanwhile, has shown up on the scene, and with a little distraction of fire outside, he sneaks in under the police tape and makes his way into the hospital himself. Uh, Joker is doing what he can to entertain the children, and while he is still a creepy psychotic clown, he's not looking to kill these children, so he's actually being a little nice about it. And this Joker realistically is not that homicidal compared to the other Joker running around shooting people in the head for no reason apart from he's the Joker. So as he is doing his best to make these kids laugh and befriend them, uh, eventually the cops come to the room and, and ask the children if they've seen anybody and describes the Joker, pale skin, green hair, and a gross mouth, but the Joker is hiding behind the door with his hand to his lips, telling them to shush as the kid that is in the bed says no one has been in here for hours and the cop promptly leaves uh so the joker did what he could to befriend the children and he seems to have done it he is successful in his plan and he promptly leaves right after that uh the cops are still going room to room um as one of them has to take a quick stop in the washroom but lo and behold the joker's in there too so the joker comes up behind him steals his <laughs> uniform 
and tries to escape out the elevators, but in the elevator is none other than Jason Todd, who promptly puts his mask on and begins firing on the cop, who is the Joker. But because he's in full cop gear, when he runs into another SWAT officer, that officer thinks Red Hood is just trying to kill a cop. But instead, the Joker uh, jumps out from behind the cop who was trying to protect him, puts a gun to his head, and now we have a good old-fashioned standoff. A nurse comes out, and the Joker calls her Helen, even though that's not her name, uh, for no reason yeah, other than he's been he's looking the Joker. for Helen the whole fucking time. Oh yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> the some whole fucking time. For some reason. Oh, hello, Helen. I'm there not is Helen. No Helen. <laughs> um, <laughs> and together, the nurse helps them get out and safe. Uh, the Joker locks them in a room as he runs off. Uh, Red Hood does what he can to help everyone. The cops get in. Um, the Joker actually comes across a dying man, uh, or sorry, dying woman who thinks that she or he is her beloved Johan from her past who actually died in a war. Uh, but he pretends to be this mysterious Johan. And, Strangely uh, enough. Yeah, for some reason. That, uh, yeah, it was weird. He's, like, compassionate. Yeah. There's something about this Joker that doesn't sit right with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll get into that after. As the cops realize that this is the last room left, they bust the door down to find uh, Joker, or Johan, gone out the window uh, as the woman seems to have died peacefully in her sleep happy at last that he, she has found her beloved Johan uh, with excellent now that's what we should call him there's Joker that's out in 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 uh, California and then uh, this Joker we can Johan. call Joker yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, yeah it's time for me to put the dad jokes to bed guess the yokes on face. me cause I've got egg on my face <laughs> Okay, so, funny enough, interestingly enough, the title of this issue that you get on the last page is, It's Not Funny Anymore, Josh. <laughs> it's <just> not. <laughs> All right, and there is a fun little backup, which I will not get into. Uh, just feel free to check it out. Uh, it is an interesting little romp, but it's a little too crazy even for me. Uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg, with art from Francesco Francavilla, letters from Tom Napolitano, and editing by Dave Wilgaz. Why not? I'll throw the editor in there, too. Um, it's an interesting little story with Satana, but it's it's it's, so, it's it's making me lose my mind. I don't know what's going on with Joker sidekicks. It's really weird. But it's fun. Check yeah. it out. Uh, okay, so yeah, th this this is a very compassionate Joker that we, we haven't really seen in a long time, if at all. Uh, this is definitely a Joker from the past, um, a very different Joker than what we've had recently, uh, but because um, he doesn't have memories of his recent machinations, like he came across Harley and thought they were still together, wasn't it? Right. So, who knows what's going on here? This this is a this is an interesting mystery, and I'm I'm all about it. But who is this Joker? <laughs> like this, he, he, it's so weird that he was so compassionate to that lady and nice to the children. Is really weird. Like the children is one thing that he he was able to use the children to help get away from the cops. But this lady he had no ties to whatsoever. 
and just pretended to be her dead husband. It's wild. Uh, I I can't wait to figure out this mystery, but I am seriously enjoying this ride so far. This is an 8.5 out of 10. Hell, talking about this now, I'm bumping it up to an 8.75. It's, it's just really good. And there's a lot of good jokes in there, too. <laughs> Joker's a funny man when he needs to be. Depending on which Joker it is. Yeah. <laughs> For me, man, uh, first off, first off, the cover, fucking super cool. I thought it was oh, just yeah. sick. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what's going the, on with that cover, oh. but it's really cool. <laughs> the uh, the backup was, you know, good, like Rob said. My focus was definitely on that front story. While, while three Jokers let most of the whole world down, uh, including me with issue three, uh, and the Joker was a complete joke of a run, this seemingly this seemingly follow-up to both stories is actually kicking ass. It's hard to nail down what's going on with the Joker, but I, I do feel like this is the real one or the original, whatever it is you want to call it. At least that's what I think for now. It's a great story, uh, fantastic art, and uh, I'm, I'm really into this series so far, which surprised me, uh, cons- considering how much I could not stand the last one, which should have been called Jim Gordon, not the Joker. Yeah. But uh, for me, this, this one got an 8.5 out of 10, man. Right on. Solid run. That's so what I said. Yeah. All right. So with that, we're going to go from one Batman Rogues Gallery to another Batman Rogues Gallery with Poison Ivy number eight. And I'm going to hand it back to Josh to tell us what's going on with Pamela Isley this time. feel like we're doing basketball drills. Written by G. Willow Wilson. And sooner or later, I'm going to figure out what that G stands for. With guest artist Atugan Ilhan, colors by Arif Prianto and Ivan Placencia, letters from uh, Hassan Atmani Elhao, and a cover from Jessica Fong, which is always nice to look at. Uh, here's the book. All right, so the first person that we get to see is Janet from HR, which is apparently her official title, Janet from HR. And she's walked in on Poison Ivy in the room that we last saw her in, uh, racked by the Lamia fungi that she's been carrying within her, because Janet's boss, Miss Crowley, hit her with some chemicals that stop her from being able to control the spores. Janet reluctantly agrees to help Ivy find the cure, and boy do I mean reluctantly, even though she's scared. Ivy branches off to follow her with the promise to protect her, Uh, They make it to the lab and they find the antidote. After some banter between Janet and Miss Crawley about overtime and health benefits and only working 39 and a half hours a week, uh, Janet throws the cure at Ivy. Crawley runs and runs fast, but Ivy, now Ivy again, goes after her and gets her. Because she promised Janet that she wouldn't kill her, she instead turns into turns her into a big-ass plant. And I don't even know if big-ass plant is the right way to describe it. It is a monster of vegetation. And apparently, this, the way that, the way that it's put in the book, the way Poison Ivy puts it in the book, is that uh, 
she, she will not die. She will be okay. And she'll probably outlive everyone, but she is still stuck inside of some monstrous Jack and the Beanstalk kind of deal. Um, that's a good thing that she didn't kill her, but the reason why Janet didn't want her boss dead was because of health insurance. She has liver can cancer. Ivy takes care of that by taking her to uh, an unnamed great surgeon that owes Ivy a favor. The surgery goes well and Janet recovers. And as this is happening, Ivy reminisces about how she went on this whole trip knowing and convincing herself that she did not need anyone. And then finally realizing that even though she might be right, some people definitely need her. And that's the book. That's it in its entirety. Does this mean that Ivy is going to be taking a turn as a hero? Or is she going to continue on as an eco-terrorist with some compassion towards humanity? Honestly, I've got no flipping clue at all. And with this next issue titled A Wonderfully Useless Evening, it's given me no clues, so I have no idea where it's going. What I can tell you is that the story is awesome, and if you're not reading it, you definitely should be. And guest artist or not, it's phenomenal, the art. Both illustration and coloring. It's top-of-the-line stuff right here, man. Uh, this might seem like a score that's a bit high for a Poison Ivy book, but the deep-down character stuff that uh, we're watching unfold as this series continues is just great and that is the kind of stuff that I really get into for I do believe the uh yeah for the third book this week I have a 9 out of 10 yeah it's uh well I didn't score everything that high um I could agree that this is another fantastic issue this week uh some, this is a great throwback with um what was her name from HR? Oh, Janet uh, from HR. Janet from HR, yeah. Uh, giving a, a throwback to uh, a, a long time ago story with Poison Ivy with, again, some amazing art. Uh, by the way, I think the G in G. Willow Wilson stands for glorious because it's just been a glorious run. You might be onto something there. And yeah. if it doesn't stand for glorious, then damn it, it should. Yeah, <laughs> I think it will now. <laughs> All right, yeah. So this just a, a fun run, like fantastic story. I I kind of hope Ivy doesn't go full anti-hero or like full hero. Maybe and like anti-hero is a good option. I mean to say, like not full hero. Anti-hero is good or um, eco terrorist with compassion for humanity. I think it might be a good light for her. Because I, I, I don't think I've ever really liked Ivy as a villain. But I love Ivy not, in not, this. Yeah, not in a long, long time. Not yeah. in a long, long time. Uh, back uh, back when... <laughs> well, back when, uh, back when she was far sexier and the world was a lot less woke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> has has Poison Ivy been good as a villain, and yeah. um, the, the the just the the character development that she has been seeing, especially in this arc, is off the chain, dude. 
off the chain. Am I nuts, Rob, in 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 thinking that this could be long shot story? Ivy finding herself, finding what's important to her, finding finding out what she didn't know was important to her just to get back together with Harley and be an anti-hero duo. I mean, shit, that if that doesn't thinking? happen, I'm a riot. <laughs> if that doesn't happen by the end of this, there's something wrong. <laughs> Harley needs to live. Let them have their I time apart. So. Let them have their respective stories. But Harley needs to live eventually. Let it grow. Right? I and agree. for the love of God, if you Sam Humphreys it, I will <laughs> I I will do more than riot. I will oh, do man. more than riot. Sam Humphreys. I you know what? There's a reason why no one picked that up. And that's because it was the dumbest fucking idea ever. How do you go what? from breaking up with poison ivy to planting one on booster gold? <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I will never forget about oh, that because God. I will never be actually straight up. I used to watch the DC, uh, what was it called? Um, DC talk or whatever it was, that talk show that he was on with a few other people. I oh. stopped watching it after that issue came out. I oh, just, I'm, he pissed me off so much. <laughs> well then, <laughs> and that was honestly a really weird pairing. So, yeah. Yeah. Heart, heart, yeah, Harley Gold, I guess, would be there. <laughs> that does not need to Harley live. Harley Gold? No. <laughs> no. Booster Quinn? That just sounds dirty. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that that should have been the only thing that Wally killed in Heroes in Crisis. Fucking right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Poison Ivy, though, I, for me, is, is up there with Mr. Freeze in, in the list of Batman villains that just, they're right. <laughs> they they're not wrong. They shouldn't be villains. <laughs> they're they have a a point <laughs> in what they're doing. Uh not just money or psychosis psychosis. It's uh Poison Ivy wants to save plant life and Mr. Freeze wants to save his wife. They're just going about it in bad ways. Uh, but well, they're Mr. not Freeze, necessarily villains. Nora is already gone and wants nothing to do with Mr. Freeze. Yeah. She said deuces, Victor. So he's got um, no reason to be a villain anymore. No, he just wants to be left alone. We just saw yeah. that in the book, too. He's just yeah. like, man, I'm just going to sit down here and chill out in my world of the cold where he yeah. has sculpted all of these people out of ice and shit. And he, he just yeah. wants to he just wants to be left alone. Poison Ivy doesn't she's not interested in taking over the fucking world anymore. Harley is as close to a member of the Bat family that you can get. And the Penguin, much to my chagrin, is still alive, but he's off somewhere in way deep left field. Um, and I'm cool with that, too. We've got the Joker, and that's a big story. We've got Riddler. He's another big one. And then, as far as big Batman villains go, hell, buddy. I think we have... I think we're running out. We've got lesser ones like Clayface and Croc, um, but the majority of his the majority of his original enemies 
are all taking a turn for the good. Yeah. So, I mean, sure, it's taken 80 years, <laughs> but, <laughs> but his fight is finally working. Yeah. I mean, is it, though? Because more villains pop up. <laughs> well, I mean, this latest one isn't really villain. <laughs> yeah, it's that's more true. Batman yeah, it's, than it's, it is villain. It's, it's his but, own fault. It is, but uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, there's there's really not been many new Batman villains popping up. Yeah, it's just been the same old ones, and we're seeing a lot of character development in those villains, and I'm I'm very very happy for that. Yeah, I mean, how many, it's, how many it's penguin stories do we need? You know, um, Batman versus Poison Ivy just no longer works. Batman yeah. versus Batman versus Freeze. I mean, that trope has been played to death. And and Penguin is completely fucking useless. So <laughs> Yeah. It's it's it there's no telling what's coming coming in the Batman universe as long as it's in capable hands. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down for whatever's going to happen. I I'm very curious to see uh, Chip Starsky's run, for example, has been kind of out of left field the whole nine yards so far with uh, the storyline. And what better way to talk about it than by talking about the latest issue, which came out this week? Woo-woo. And that, wait, you gave your score, right, for Poison Ivy? Uh, nine out of ten, yes, nine sir. Out of ten. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think I gave my score <laughs> 8.75 out of 10 for me. Uh, but now we're on to Batman number 131. Uh, this is brought to us by, as I mentioned, Chip Zdarsky writing the words with pencils from Mike Hawthorne, inks from Adriano De Benedetto, colors from Tomomori, letters from Clayton Cowles, and an, as always, gorgeous cover from Jorge Jimenez. And what a cover it is. This begins the story arc, the Batman of Gotham, Bat-Man of Gotham, taking cues from Spider-Man over in Marvel. Picking up where we left off, Bruce is left on the streets of a city in an alleyway, uh, beaten half to death. Uh, You can tell because he has one shoe on, and his suit is in tatters. (laughs) I'm joking. His boots are both still on. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, but the joke works. (laughs) I, I love a good throwback. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, callbacks are the point of all stand-up. Exactly. Uh, so he comes to as two potential junkies are standing over his body, going through his utility belt, and as he wakes up, they run off with it. So he's left uh, not only uh, kind of just messed up, but also kind of defenseless. Uh, so he begins to remember what happened uh, with failsafe blasting him with a laser gun that was the last thing he remembered when he was in the arctic uh, and uh, now he's here uh, something's different about it but he can't quite figure out what it is as somebody uh, talks to him in the alleyway that he's in and it turns out to be none other than a character by the name of Jimbo which is a skeleton dressed like Jim Gordon 
so if that's not the case of... Including uh, the mustache, which is really the only way you can tell. Especially the mustache and the pipe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just the way you can tell. Uh, so if that's not a case for Bruce's losing his fucking mind, I don't know what is. Uh, <laughs> but he even mentions, uh, he, he ponders if Zeranar damaged his mind. Bruce, buddy, I think it did. I think it really did. Um, but he does realize that it's not his Earth. He's on a different Earth in the multiverse somewhere, uh, and he needs to figure out where he is. His brain is scrambled from what he says is multiverse poisoning, like a decompression sickness. So we need to get his bearings and figure out where he is and how he's going to get back. <coughs> so he heads to his brownstone uh, in Gotham City, but it is unlived in uh, nobody's been there for years from what he can tell so he figures his next stop after he uh, steals jacket because you know batman he steals things um to try and blend in at least somewhat oh, sure. uh, figures maybe his next stop should be wayne manor and figure out what he should do next but he does realize that wayne tower is not wayne tower it is something else uh, and this gotham that he's in feels a little weird yeah, to say the least. Yeah, to say the very least. Uh, also, if I did not mention before, the alley he woke up in, he recognized as Crime Alley, the alley his parents were killed in, because of course it was. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. Uh, so as he's on the rooftop, he hears a scream, to which he realizes it's still Gotham. I'm still me. There's still danger afoot. But it's not really danger. It's the GCPD. Uh, albeit a roided out GCPD with uh y'all yeah. remember judge dread yeah th th this is like judge dread but instead of judge dread it's judge dent because it's harvey dent as a judge <laughs> yeah um, now did you notice that do you remember uh those two people that were that stole the utility belt off of batman when he was laying in the alley yeah uh, they said he looks like he's all he's on some kind of uh messed up form of venom yeah uh, i think the gcpd is as well Oh, definitely. Yeah, because this that's this uh, this Judge Dent uh, with very... If you pay attention to the coloring on his face, while he does not have a half a messed up face, the coloring is very on point, and I cannot tell if it's actually his face or just the way they're shading it, but he has two different shades to his face the entire time. It's very interesting. Uh, but this Judge Harvey Dent... I did Dent, not notice that. Oh, yeah. I, I noticed that maybe on, on the, the second page there was a clear line. I'm like, huh. I wonder. <laughs> um, yeah, but this this Judge Harvey Dent is very, very, very muscular uh, and looks like he is on some form of venom. But with I that comes it. a bit of excessive violence in his policing uh, as he questions people by pointing guns at them and threatening their lives and kicking doors in. Um, Batman shows up without a mask, which is not really necessary because it's not his Earth anyway. Nobody knows who he is. Uh Batman you are comes right. Up. I'm flipping back through it, and um, I guess I just looked through it and just assumed it was the lighting, but it is not. There is a distinct, yeah, it's distinct line yeah. drawn down the middle, and I am looking at it even closer, and my man, um, it's half it's pink, half 15, white. Half, half regular, half white, but on the white side, 
Do you see it? He's got a red eye. And go down uh, to the look at the very bottom panel. He has Joker lipstick. Oh no, I think that's blood. You think so? Because it's 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 only on the one half of his face. Because I I don't see bottom. that I don't see that in previous panels. But I see what you're talking about. I think. Oh, maybe you're right. No, it is in previous panels. It is in previous panels. Two but, faces, yeah, half half Harvey Dent, half half Joker, and roided out like Bane. Whoa, not son cool, of a man. What the hell is this? <laughs> I would is have this... never noticed that had you not mentioned the two different colors on his face. Oh, but man, yeah, he's I didn't half even Joker. Notice the stuff on his lips. That, that's damn. <laughs> All right, so this Harvey Dent got a little even crazier now. Uh, but <laughs> to get back to the story, Batman arrives and tries to choke him out, uh, knowing doing what he knows he needs to do to fight Bane. Uh, and this being a roided out venom enhanced person he's doing what he can but it's not working and Dent sends him flying through a brick wall so he uses his uh, agility uh, again doing what he can to fight a venomed up person but it is to no avail this Judge Dent is a little bit faster than Bane typically is Um, Bruce still does what he can to get away from the cops fights off the other officers that are trying to take him down but firefly of all people arrives and uh sends fire Wasn't shooting into the apartment that either yeah i was not expecting that and it seems to be I'll... just garfield lions there's not like another uh character fused with firefly it is literally just firefly it was garfield just, lions do you firefly, think he's right? a he part wasn't... of the gcpd too I think so, because he, he said, uh, don't worry, I got him uh, to the GCPD, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is a very interesting thing. The whole um, world's fucked up, man. Yeah, so he, he burns that apartment to the ground, that poor old lady who lived there. Uh, Bruce saves her, but her entire apartment is just on fire now, because Firefly's an idiot. Uh, Bruce gets her outside and tells her to head to the roof or head to the ground, rather, and hide. Uh, but Judge Dent catches him yet again. Uh, Bruce tries to take him down with a baseball bat, but that did not fucking work. Uh, as a person comes through the window, a young child, not really a child, but maybe a teenager, um, stabs yeah. Dent in the cheek with a couple of knives and tells Bruce to move now uh, as they escape out the window. They are being fired upon. Batman saves the kid. And they run off together as Bruce is very wounded. He was shot in the leg. He's limping. He still has no idea what the hell's going on. And he even says he's at 20%. His body can't heal fast enough. He's John McClaning this shit right now. Um, Basically. <laughs> yeah. The, the pair get to a vehicle and the kid drives off with Bruce about to pass out in the backseat. Uh, meanwhile over in another part of Gotham Selina Kyle who may or may not also be rated out because she's looking a little swollen in these images as well is a crime boss and is expecting money but the person that is there is uh, asking for a bit more time because he doesn't quite have all of it because a couple of grand is a lot of money uh, so she gives him the claws and then her uh, associate 
tells her that it's him, Red Mask, on the phone. And the Red Mask gets on the phone and says, there's something here, somebody here, you need to be on this, he's your top priority, and the, uh, she receives, via a crow, of all things, a picture of Bruce Wayne uh, alive, to which they're all surprised, so it seems like in this reality, Bruce Wayne is dead. Um, this red mask person uh, clearly is a villain type person, uh, seems to know who Bruce is, and as you can see in what may or may not be his laboratory, a bunch of people being experimented on, and they look like inmates at Arkham Asylum. Uh, meanwhile, Bruce is in a hiding spot, uh, safe house, with this kid, uh, and they, they get to talking about things. Uh, her name is Jewel, and Bruce introduces himself as well. Uh, she is also an orphan, which will lead everyone to believe that she's the next Robin, because that's what Bruce does. He finds orphan children, uh, takes pity on them, because that's what happened to him, and then trains them to fight crime. So, this is a well, world without Batman. With kids? Yeah, <laughs> right. Not not love and support them. Just use them as soldiers in your ongoing war against crime. Yeah. Well, I mean, I personally am trying to love and support my children while simultaneously raising vigilantes. They're not interested in the vigilante part. Whatever. Yeah, you can't win them. <laughs> Uh, so to finish out our issue, Bruce is pondering while the skeleton Jimbo is just staring at him. It's really weird. Um, and he realized this world, there is no Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne is dead. And as it turns out, he realizes this is Failsafe's compassion. His gift is a Gotham without Batman, a Gotham to save. Uh, so that ends our issue there. In our backup the Toy Box Part 1, written by Chip Zdarsky, with art from Miguel Mendoza, colors from Roman Stevens, and letters from Clayton Cowles. Uh, toy Man, the original Toy Man, is back somehow and playing with toys, as he does, uh, while also with uh, a woman and child who seem to be under his control. Uh, meanwhile, in the Batacombs under Gotham, which I think is the, <laughs> the pseudo-cave under the brownstone, that Bruce Wayne owns. Um, Tim is going over the fight data from the Arctic Circle, while John is with him, just giving him a shoulder to, to potentially cry on, but also help him try to figure out what's going on. And John is also very upset by all this, because he's the one that left the laser gun in the fortress in the first place, to which Tim replies, look, not your fault, you did what was right, and Batman's not dead, so we're gonna figure this out. Uh... Tim gets a little too heated about it and runs off to see if there's anything he can do. Uh, there's a couple of kids that have been kidnapped by old, uh, uh, I was going to say associates or cohorts, but not really either, thugs of the Joker. And they're looking to get a big payday off these kids whose parents are rich, but they're being rescued by none other than the Nightwing. And while he does have pretty much the upper hand, uh, Tim comes in to help out and gets a little too violent with the people. Uh, they rescue the kids and the duo go up <clears throat> to the rooftops to have a little talk. And uh, Dick is also trying to be a shoulder to cry out for Tim. They, that's, Dick also believes that Bruce is not dead 
but Tim seems to be the only one in his eyes that is taking it very seriously and tries his best to find Bruce. Dick believes Bruce will find his own way home, but Tim still believes that Batman needs Robin to come help save him. Uh, so before uh, Tim can fly off too much, John gets in the horn and realizes something about Toy Man that he may have left some clues behind as to things going on in that world. Uh, so while it is a story about Toy Man, there's not much to talk about with Toy Man. Um, but it's still an interesting backup. I like it. I'm all about it. I, I think Chip Starsky writing Tim is very interesting. Uh, but as for the main issue, uh, wonderful art. I think the alternate universe is a nice touch in direction of the story. The world does look familiar. I can't quite put my finger on it. Like, it's something we've seen in an Elseworlds before. Or in, like, a, another one-off story arc. But I, I can't quite place it. Um, or it might just be similar to something else we've had. I don't know. But I did make the Judge Dredd comparisons in, in my synopsis. So, there is that as well. Uh, it's a little too Judge Dredd. <laughs> it's a little very on the nose. Uh, I think yeah, it's a solid issue. I'm about this arc. I, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. 8.75 out of 10. I am there with you. Um, I don't have a lot of notes because it's kind of like a... Just basically a follow-up. But... Um, that's that that's far as far as the backup goes but what i am wondering is uh what's up with john's outfit there did you notice that it's like way different nobody else's is no well that that would be his outfit going forward with dawn of the dc or dawn of the dcu which again lends credence to when the hell does this take place because we're getting mixed ideas that this is before dark crisis or after dark crisis <laughs> i'm just going to go on the idea that it's after dark crisis yeah i i i i think it has to be yeah. because of the the costume change with john although i'm really not seeing any any costume changes with um anybody else though I don't know yeah. if anybody else was supposed to get one. Uh, as far as the front one goes, as far as the first story goes, uh, man, this title just took a seriously trippy turn. I mean, we, we knew that something had happened, assumed that he had likely gotten transported to another universe. Um, that's what it seemed like. But uh, this... this whole thing this was not what I expected at all uh, I feel like there should be a subtitle to Batman number 131 uh, like a like a like Batman and then a colon and then White Knight presents Gotham is all fucked up because there's no Batman volume one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, that 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 said, after all the crazy, it seems like Bruce may be a little at ease with the idea of a Gotham without without Batman. Um, I think that's because it gives him an opportunity to step in and be the Batman again. He even mm -hmm. calls it Failsafe's Compassion Gift, which I thought was a little strange, uh, but hey, whatever. 
Uh, as far as the art goes, it is just as good as the story, even if the story took a hard turn from, I guess you would call it an action comic, to kind of being a mystery. Uh, why does everyone hate Bruce? Who the hell was that kid? Why is Jim Gordon a talking skeleton? And who the <laughs> hell is Red Mask? I mean, there's only one way to find out, and that's to tune in next month. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> Uh, but really, until um, until we see where this goes, I'm I'm gonna give it a, a solid eight point two five. There's a lot of mystery sitting there, and uh, I I need I need a little bit more than just these drops. So eight point two five on Batman. Fair enough. Right on. All right, so that's our books for the week. I guess we can break into our top three and favorite moment if you had one. You want to start us off? All right. I definitely can. Um, I had three nines, three nines this week, so I had to uh, had to do some thinking on it. But this is where it ends up laying. Uh, number three goes to Dark Knights of Steel. Number two is going to go to Sword of Azrael. And number three, I or number one, I am giving to Poison Ivy. And you know what? My, my favorite moment, I had something else, but I'm changing it. My favorite moment is Janet saying to Ivy as they are walking through the hallway. She says, this is like being in an R-rated remake of Little Shop of Horrors. And <laughs> Ivy responds... I hate how accurate that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that was just fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, for me, uh, number three, I had Batman. Uh, a lot of fun there. Number two, I had Dark Knights of Steel. And number one, I had Sword of Azrael. Um, which I do realize it's a little out of whack with my scores but I, I, I sort of as real as the last issue and I really enjoyed that one I think just a bit more than Dark Knights of Steel and favorite moment I couldn't really think of one like there's so many great moments but I don't know if I really had a favorite one uh, I don't know no? no you gotta pick one man you can skip out on your stinkers, but you can't skip out on your favorite moment. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like there was nothing. Like there was, there was a lot of great moments, but so nothing that really stuck out at me. Um, I think maybe it might be in the final fight with uh, Azrael, uh, where he just got that. I think his his look, where it looked like Angel Azrael and Battlesuit Azrael kind of fused, and he had the eyeballs all in the wings all over his body. I thought that was that was really cool to see. I think when that that moment happened, I think might be might be the only thing that really stuck out at me. The the my favorite the favorite moment that I had that I swapped out at the last minute. The other favorite moment that I had was Bruce riding in on a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Alright, so that was our favorite moments and now it's time for your favorite moments. It is the biggest, biggest thinker. thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Is it yep. Cleveland? Is it really nasty? I can smell it all the way over here. 
because, like, I don't know about you, but like, I can't really smell anything because I didn't have one <laughs> this week. I didn't really have a biggest stinker. I could put Batman Nightwatch on there, but it's not even registering on my radar, so I don't know if that's even fair. <laughs> um, well, on my stink list is Gotham City Year One. It still sucks. Um, I have no doubt that it's going to continue to suck. Why do I put myself through this? Why for you, dear listener, so you don't have to. Ugh, I'm a masochist. <laughs> well, there we have it. <laughs> that, that's our sync list. Uh, yeah, so with that, that's our show. Uh, remember, you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcast. Check us out on Twitter at notarobotcomics and subscribe to our Substack for bonus reviews, articles, and more. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot.